This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover on AM 1170, The Answer. Educate for Life, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you. What you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now, in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego every Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. Thanks for joining us tonight. You know, we started a discussion last week with Dr. Gary Cass, and we're going to pick up and continue this discussion. It's very important because uh, we're coming into an election year. There's all kinds of uh, drama and uh, crazy stuff happening around the country. I wanted to share with you one of the things that's going on right now. If you haven't heard of the Alliance Defending Freedom, they're a great organization. They're currently uh, litigating for a guy named Blaine Adamson. He was the owner of Hands On Originals, a promotional printing company, which turned down several request, requests to create shirts based on the message that he was asked to print on them. But when he declined one particular design, he faced charges of illegal discrimination. The order came from the Gay and Lesbian Services Organization, and the requested shirt promoted the group's pride parade. Blaine explained that he could not print a shirt bearing a message that conflicts with his faith. He then offered to connect the GLSO to another printer who would create the shirts for the same price that he would have charged. The GLSO rejected Blaine's offer and filed a discrimination complaint with the Lexington Fayette Urban County Human Rights Commission. Now, if the situation were reversed, the big question is, would a homosexual printer be forced to print material stating that homosexuality is morally wrong? Or what about an African-American who is forced to print shirts promoting a Ku Klux Klan rally? Of course, that's not going to happen. But on the other hand, why is this happening to Christians? And my... My guest tonight, Dr. Gary Cass, he is an expert on these issues. Uh, he is a founder of the Christian Anti-Defamation Commission, and this is the exact kind of thing that he is dealing with, defendchristians.org. By the way, if you didn't listen to, sh- to the show last week, I highly recommend you do. You're going to get a lot of insight into this, uh, uh, these issues. And tonight, uh, part of what we're trying to figure out here is, at what point, and is it legal for the states to override what the federal government decides. The federal government's made all kinds of decisions. 1962, uh, prayer was taken out of the schools. 1963, the Bible was taken out of schools. 1970, no-fault divorce was uh, instituted. 1973, abortion uh, was legalized in all 50 states. And this is ongoing all the way with what just happened this year with Obergefell uh, regarding legalizing same-sex marriage throughout all 50 states uh, against the will of many people. So, uh, Dr. Cass, thanks a lot again for being here on the show this uh, tonight. Glad to be here, Kevin. Have so, a great time. So what do we do uh, here? You know, w- what happens? And, and uh, we discussed all kinds of things la- last week, like um, uh, specifically the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. We talked about the doctrine of interposition, the doctrine of nullification, all things that are throughout U.S. history. And one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is the supremacy clause. Can you explain what that is? What is the supremacy clause? Sure. And before we maybe jump into that, some of your listeners might be hearing this for the first time. and They're going, what the heck? (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Nullification, interposition, uh, lesser magistrate. It's really a, it comes down to a very simple premise. Are we obligated to do what is wrong? 
even if our government tells us what's wrong. By the way, uh, interposition can happen in any situation where a lesser magistrate interposes uh, between a tyrannical magistrate to protect the innocent uh, uh, situation. For example, just hypothetically, in a family, what if you have a tyrannical, uh, abusive husband? Well, uh, the lesser magistrate, if you will, the wife, certainly could interpose and protect the children. Yeah. Okay? Because okay. he doesn't have the right to ab- abuse children. He, she should interpose and demand that he stop. If he doesn't stop, then you call the civil magistrate. But um, uh, husbands don't have absolute ruling authority. If there's abuse in the church, uh, pastors should be deposed and fired and convicted if they abuse their authority. Uh, so we recognize limits upon uh, ecclesiastical authority. We we see it on familial authority. Uh, but some for some reason, when it comes to government authority, we get all wobbly and think somehow government has absolute authority to do whatever they want. And that is absolutely the opposite of what this country is founded on. And the states, the states don't seem to recognize that, like you're saying, when the federal government oversteps its bounds, they have the power to say no. This right. is going to happen. And that's what has to happen because, by the way, what's the assumption behind that, the checks and balances? Yeah, the Supreme that, Court is, that, is our angels. Right, yeah. that, that the founders put in. The founders knew, no, we're all depraved. And uh, if you will, we can't trust anybody or any group of people with absolute authority. Mm-hmm. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Absolutely, that's true. And we see it when uh, we had this ruling last summer. Uh, in the Obergefell decision where all of a sudden, out of whole cloth, the Supreme Court makes up a right to dignity. Okay, where did that come from? It's not in the uh, Constitution. It's certainly not in the Bill of uh, Rights. And it's certainly not in the Declaration of Independence or, or organic documents. And it, and their definition of dignity, by the way, is fully in contradiction to our common law because what they were saying had dignity, um, our common law said is shameful. Mm-hmm. So they're and just our ma- common law again. For those of you who weren't here last week, our common law is the law that would everybody in the U.S. Uh, understood to be fundamental. It was the fundamental axiom that is Christian common law. Yeah, that our rights come from God, our duties come from God, our laws come from God. Yeah, it all hangs together. You can't have one without the other, and so. Uh, where a lot of us get hung up in is because we've been essentially conditioned to salute. Every time the the uh, the Supreme Court makes a ruling, all of a sudden we're supposed to bow down to them as if they're demigods and that their opinions somehow have this mystical authority over us. Well, no, they only have authority insofar as they are in accordance with the laws of nature and nature's God and the Constitution. And this is all the, what the Declaration is all about, too, is is the fact that we have unalienable rights. Right. Rights that come from God, not from government. Right. And, and, there, and therefore, the government can't take them away. Right. And I would say with every corresponding right comes our God-given duties as well. And so we don't just get to make up laws. We don't just get to make up rights. Our country was not based upon that. But because we've been in in experimenting with this insanity called secularism— which is just this idea that we can make up our own laws haphazardly, arbitrarily, and somehow end up with just uh, civil society. Uh, that's the conflict that we're in. And, and so trying to make up rights, rights to do wrong, 
um, according to our common law and our, our Christian heritage, has created a, a huge conflict in, in civil society. And so now we're trying to make sense. What do we do with this ruling that came out of nowhere and certainly not out of law, just the opinions of five people? And uh, it became kind of came to a head with Kim Davis, this little county clerk in, in Kentucky, who, according to her state law, there is no such thing as homosexual marriage. Now some uh, five judges down in Washington, D.C. says there is. She's in conflict. She doesn't know what to do. She's not only in conflict with uh, federal and state law, she's in, in internal conflict with her own faith because now is she supposed to issue these marriage licenses? And we saw this debacle where she ends up going to jail for upholding the laws of nature, nature's God, and the state law of Kentucky uh, because she dared to defy this uh, arbitrary decree of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Now, aren't people going to say, though, uh, and we're coming up on a break here, but aren't people going to say, look, you know, uh, common law, nature's God, all these things, that's that's a long time ago that all of that was started up. And, and we've had a lot of court cases since then that have uh, legitimately changed the the way we look at law, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Everson versus Board of Education, 1947, and all these different things that change how we're supposed to interact with the federal government and all. H- how would you respond to somebody that makes a statement like that? Well, and that's uh, kind of the argument, for example, with another arbitrary law, Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's this thing called stare decisis. In other words, there's a precedence that's been set, and it's been yeah. set long enough that therefore uh, it's just a matter of law. Well, I would ask the question. When is it right to do what is right? Is it ever too late to do the right thing? And we would say, no, we should always do what's right. The moment that we realize that we've done something wrong, even if we've been doing it wrong for a long time, doesn't mean that we shouldn't ever stop doing what's wrong in order to do what's right. That's a great answer. So it's it, now that we know, for example, that a child is conceived you know, at the moment yeah. of conception, a unique DNA and all of that. It's never too wrong. It's never too late to go back and fix a wrong. That that makes a ton of sense. My guest tonight is Dr. Gary Cass. His website is defendchristians.org. And we're having a great conversation about the Bible politics. How are, as Christians are we supposed to react to a lot of decisions that are actually violating our conscience? Uh, and, and we don't want to disobey God. We'll be right back. What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. 
Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family-owned, Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Main and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. I will cast my cares on you. You're the anchor of my hope, the only one who's in control. I will Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. My guest tonight is Dr. Gary Cass, and we're talking about uh, well, we started off the show talking about the supremacy clause. What does that mean exactly? So, Dr. Cass, I want to just uh, hop right into it here. Can you uh, define the supremacy clause for us? Well, I think it'd be good for us to read that because when this argument comes up that the states and if what we call the lesser magistrates need to stand up for the rights of the people. And a lesser being, magistrate is just somebody that's lower in, a, in the... In lower the, in authority. It could be a county official. It could mm-hmm. be a county clerk, a county sheriff. It could be a state official. It could be a governor. It could be a legislator. Whoever gets, whoever sees the light first and realizes, wait a minute, this is wrong. We need to fix it. Then they're supposed to step up and assert their constitutional right because there's not a constitutional right to do what is wrong. Where did I get that from? Abraham Lincoln. You can't. There's no right to do wrong because our rights come to us from God. God doesn't give us the right to do what's wrong. Now, now, real quick here, you know, somebody's going to say, well, which God? You know, in, in uh, Saudi Arabia, they have Sharia law. They have, a, mm-hmm. they have an Islamic republic. Well, it's a demonic uh, law. Yeah, so we're not, on this show here today, we're not debating which God. We're not debating the existence of God. What we're doing is... We're assuming. We're assuming, and for... And we're also making the same assumptions that the founding fathers, Mm -hmm. those who started the country, assumed also. Right. We're standing on the shoulders of literally a thousand years of Christian legal theorists who sat down and said, if we only had the Bible and, and Christianity to inform our government, what would it look like? That's what makes America uh, exceptional because we're the first country to get to more or less start from scratch and say, we're going to, we're going to build our country on the general principles of Christianity that had never been done before. Most countries were established by war and somebody coming in and conquering the land and taking it over and, you know, and and setting up dynasties. We're the first country to say, no, we have a chance to do this without, you know, kind of a tabla rasa. We have a blank slate here and we can do this based upon the ideas of Christendom. If we only had these Christian legal ideas and that's where we got our ideas from that that are we have rights that come to us from god and so this brings us to the supremacy clause which is in the constitution right so how do we relate to one another were, were so, you going to read that supremacy yeah, clause? yeah and, okay. and that's yeah. that's really the what's happened here because of these christian ideas we have a skeptical view of power we believe too much power for anybody is a bad thing so we want to divide power we want to enumerate powers but we have to get along, too. There's going to be times where we're going to have to work together. Yeah. That's and so the, that's where the supremacy clause comes okay. in. Because the, the, the states decided we need an, a general government or a national government to do some things that, that it can do that we really can't do. And so they wrote the Constitution, limited the powers. And then this is what they put in the supremacy clause. Okay. 
They said this constitution with all of its limits and everything in it and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof in pursuance of what in pursuance of those limited powers in the constitution and all the treaties, which shall be made under the authority of the United States. So international relations, they thought should be have handled by the federal government, international, uh, you know, diplomacy, treaties, wars, etc. cetera. Uh, that shall be under the authority of the United States. And, as, and that shall be the supreme law of the land. In other words, when the federal government is do, working within its limits and doing what it's given the authority to do from the states. Remember, the states created the federal government to do very specific things, 18 things. That's all they were in existence for. As long as they were playing within the bounds and, and, and uh, respecting their limitations, then yes, they were the supreme law of the land. But they have far exceeded their authority now. And now the federal government is virtually in every nook and cranny of our life and in our bedrooms now and within marriage, far exceeding any uh, state uh, limitations that were placed upon them. Yeah, I feel like people, you know, they're listening to this and they're they're throwing up their hands going, yeah, but what can I do? I mean, here I am, little old me, and these are the nine Supreme Court justices uh, and and. You know, it's it's like fighting a tidal wave with a bucket. Well, and by the way, who loves a strong federal government? Generally, people who have very radical ideas, because they know if they had to go to the people to have it shut it down to, to be voted upon, it'd be shut down. So, what do they do? They manipulate the courts, especially the federal courts, to impose on all of us these these laws. Frankly what I call the Massachusetts morality, this really hardcore, far-left, bizarre stuff has now been imposed upon the Midwest and the Southeast and, and in a tyrannical fashion to say you have to allow certain things to happen in your state that you find absolutely morally objectionable just because we say so. Because mm-hmm. there's certainly not a constitutional authority for them to say it. They're just imposing it, and we have been so conditioned – by an abuse of this supremacy clause that we think in order to be a good patriotic Christian American where we want to respect authority, yeah, submit, the, submit to the authorities, we're supposed to salute tyranny. And no, we're not. When a, when a government becomes tyrannical, we have not only the, the right, we have the duty to alter or abolish that government. That's what the founders told us. And, well, and that's what Peter said, you know, when, when uh, hey, should we obey man or God? Right. You be the judge. And thankfully, we're, we're a long way away from having to do the kind of radical stuff our founders had to do where they had to tell the tyrant of their age, King George, and his, his accomplices, the parliament, in England, after a long train of abuses, they just said, we are going to declare ourselves free because you have uh, illegitimized your reign over us. You have become a tyrant. By the way, who is called a tyrant in the Bible? Oh, that would be Satan. So when your government becomes satanic, when you become the tyrant and you're violating God's law and the rights of the people as God has laid it out, then you, as the people, have not only the right, but I believe the duty to throw off the tyrant. And by the way, I encourage all of your listeners, and they, they've probably never heard of this word, uh, but I encourage you, go to Google, look it up. Look up the word tyrannicide. Is it ever proper to overthrow and kill the tyrant? 
as a Christian, is there ever a limit where a government or a king at that point has become so much the enemy of God and the people that it is legitimate to to use force and violence to overthrow the tyrant? And so this was all very commonly understood in the founding era. Yeah. There are limits. And unfortunately, there is a time when we have to say we have to fight for our rights. Now, thankfully, we're nowhere near that now, but we have to use these lawful means so that we don't become so frustrated with the tyranny that it does come to to violence. So, yeah, so that would be my next question is, so what, what, where are we at currently and what is that? What's the next step for us? Well, the good news is there are good people who see these principles and are fighting for them. Mm. Uh, Many of them are state legislators or drafting language. By the way, we mentioned in the last show, nullification is already happening. Yeah. This action is happening largely by liberals. And now the conservatives are going to say, wait a minute, we're going to actually do this in accordance with the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, which is our our heritage. We're not going to be arbitrary like the liberals are. Yeah. Now, do and, you see any states on the horizon where this absolutely. is what what uh, what's happening around? Uh, for example, Tennessee is uh, on on bat. They're they're drafting language to go ahead and nullify the same sex marriage ruling. Really? Um, do you think that? Do you think that? What kind of a time frame are we looking at? We're looking at the beginning of next year, 2016, uh, when these legislatures come back into session with their new governors and their new newly elected uh, elected officials. We sworn in we're, we've created uh, draft legislation that we're going to float to many states where they do have conservative legislatures and conservative uh, governors. By the way, if you look at the trend uh, there are more conservative governors and legislatures now than there has been yeah. in many, many decades. Yeah, they're responding. Because it were reacting yeah. to the tyranny that's coming out of Washington, D.C. Well, I want to ask you also, uh, you know, regarding Tennessee, what, how confident are you that this is actually going to take place where um, that's going to actually pass? We'll be right back. My guest tonight is Dr. Gary Cass. I'm going to let him answer that question when we come back. How confident is he that this can actually pass in Tennessee? And we can actually uh, they, they're actually going to nullify the federal law uh, for same sex marriage. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. We're talking about the Bible, politics, government. And uh, where do you draw the line when the government starts to become tyrannical? We'll be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Not all home inspections are created equal. Joe DeMars and his team at Housemaster have performed inspections in San Diego for 22 years plus and performed over 10,000 inspections for commercial, multiple family, apartments, and residential. Call before you buy or sell. You'll have confidence knowing the true condition of the property. Call 619-660-7866, sandiego.housemaster.com. Home inspections, done right, guaranteed. 619-660-7866. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. I'm giving it all.
for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m. You can stream the show all over the world at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. If you'd like to pick up a recording, you can follow us on our YouTube channel or on a podcast on iTunes, and uh, you can check everything out on my website also. Uh, my guest tonight is Dr. Gary Cass. When we're talking about Bible politics and um, how do you how do you stop tyranny when when the government begins to abuse its power and and take advantage of its power? Um, how do you stop that? And, and how do you stop that biblically? How do you st- stop that from a uh, constitutional perspective? What kind of checks and balances did the founding fathers put in place to prevent that? You know, um, Gary and I were talking off the air briefly and. We were talking about how this is really going to have to come from kind of a grassroots effort. You know, we keep putting Republicans in office and we put Democrats in office, Republicans in office, Democrats in office. And we just keep getting the same results. The debt keeps rising and uh, laws keep getting passed that are are not what the people voted for. They're, they're things nobody asked for. And so um, what do you do in that situation? You know, um, there's what's called uh, Pulpit Freedom Sunday. Uh, pastors are have initiated this. My own pastor, Dr. Jim Garlow at Skyline Church, decided to defy the IRS. There's currently a ban, a supposed ban on uh, pastors actually endorsing, for example, a political candidate. And what's happened is about 1,500 pastors, uh, I think even more than that now, um, actually recorded sermons that directly violated uh, what, what is called the Johnson Amendment, and then sent their sermons to the IRS in order to say, this is unconstitutional. This is uh, violating our rights. Therefore, um, we're not going to, we're not going to stand for this and we're just going to band together. So along those same lines, uh, Dr. Cass, uh, with what's happening in Tennessee and your drafting mm-hmm. legislation and so forth, um, what's the next steps here? Well, and Dr. Uh, Garlow's a hero of mine, and I remember talking to the leaders of Alliance, De- at that point called Alliance Defense Fund, who initiated this, and I, I jokingly said, when are you going to become the, the Alliance Offensive Fund? And I don't, I don't, I want to take credit that they actually realized, wait a minute, we don't have to just simply be on defense, let's be on offense, and let's do this pulpit uh, freedom initiative. Now, I don't, I I can't take credit for it, but I hope it stimulated us because that's the problem, isn't yeah. it? We're always on defense. We're always playing catch up. This gives us this nullification, this interposition where a, a lesser or a lower uh, ranking elected official steps up and says, stop the tyranny. Um, that's going to take some courage. Let's be honest. Uh, a lot of uh, politicians are afraid to risk their political capital, frankly, their political future. By doing this, and I'll be honest, it's it, it's a little bit foreign to most people, and so they're going to hear the concept, and they've been so conditioned by this uh, judicial supremacy idea that whatever the five justices of the Supreme Court says is true, is true, and we have to abide by it, that this sounds almost like rebellion, mm-hmm. and it's not. It's it's This has been baked into the Constitution. There's a it, lot of Christians out there, you know, they hear this and they go, hey, this is just not, uh, this is not Christ. Oh, this is not Christ-like. <clears throat> oh, like Jesus didn't usurp the, the illegal authority uh, when he went in and cleansed the temple and said, my father's house will be a house of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, there, We have selective thinking about what it means to be a Christian sometimes. Yeah. Thank God our founders had a little bit more sense than we do. And honestly, we have the luxury 
to not have to think seriously about this because we had Christian founding fathers who did. Yeah, we kind of and, and we don't sat even on re- coattails. Yeah, we don't even realize the the rigor that they and the cost and the blood literally that was shed to give us the privilege to be a bunch of wimps. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, and, no, and I, cowardice. I, I and getting back to your 501c3 status, a lot of pastors know uh, number one that there you can go very far. And in the pulpit, in the advocating for godly principles, godly laws, and never violate the Johnson Amendment. But the Johnson Amendment, I believe, on its face is unconstitutional. It violates our freedom of speech, First Amendment rights. And I'm so proud of ADF and the many uh, patriot pastors who have stood up to exercise that First Amendment right. But it's going to take the pulpits coming alive. It's going to take we the people coming alive, because in our form of government, we get the government we demand. And I say this, and a lot of people are going to get angry at me. If you don't like what's happening in the government, you got to realize our leaders are corrupt because we are corrupt. We, they represent us. They go to the uh, Washington, D.C. Or, or Sacramento, and they vote uh, the way we let them vote. And they get away with all sorts of things and nothing happens when they come back. Do we vote the bums out? No. Uh, we get mad at everybody else's elected official, but we like ours. But then you look at their voting record and whether it's Republican or Democrat, when it comes to principle, many of them are, are compromised. And so we become cynical and and just throw up our hands and say there's nothing we can do. This is something we can do. OK, now, now Gary, so. Here's just, this just comes to my mind. You know, you you probably heard this quote: twenty uh, percent of the people in the church do eighty percent of mm-hmm. the work, or something like that. Right. If that's the case, and really what we're trying to do is, and give, that's not just in church; it's yeah, everywhere. It's, it's, it's a everywhere. general principle that so, applies. So, if that's true, then what is? So, the advice we're giving here is to that twenty percent that's actually gonna that's gonna listen and go, mm-hmm. "I want to do something." Right. And so, when you say that they can practically do something here, what what is that person sitting at home right now? What can they do? Well, uh, they can go to my website, defendchristians.org, and and check what we're doing. We're going to be rolling out this campaign here in the next uh, week or so, and we're going to be directing emails to send this language to the legislatures and governors that ran as conservatives who said that they're pro-marriage. Okay, put up or shut up. If you're pro-marriage then put a check on the Supreme Court and tell them that we do not recognize their arbitrary authority over marriage, and we demand that they exercise their constitutionally given powers to shut down the tyranny of the federal government. Now, it's an interesting thing that this has not become a major issue in this presidential campaign. And I'm frankly very frustrated um, because of the Republican. Uh, I don't think we're going to get anything out of the Democrats. So you would hope maybe on the Republican side, because a lot of them identify as, as pro-family, pro-marriage candidates, that they would be articulating this doctrine. Mm. But uh, there's only one candidate that has, and that's Governor Mike Huckabee. Yeah. And it's sad that people like Ted Cruz, who is literally a constitutional scholar, by the way, do you know he memorized the Constitution as wow. a child? No. He has it, me- <laughs> he has it memorized. Uh, the whole thing. And so he knows the Constitution. But here's the problem. I like Ted Cruz probably for every other issue other than this. I, I He's kind of my guy. Yeah. But this isn't an, a, a, a kind of an ancillary issue. 
If we allow this same-sex marriage ruling to stand and we get used to it and we don't check it and we don't say no to the federal government now and we let the years roll by, I'm thinking this is going to be like Roe versus Wade. Even though it's totally unconstitutional, we're okay with it. Mm -hmm. And so we need to stand up now. But poor Ted Cruz, where did he come from? He used to clerk for the Supreme Court. So he's, I don't know if he's a judicial supremacist. I think this should be a litmus question for any presidential campaign. Will you interpose? Will you use your federal authority to encourage people to stand up against judicial tyranny? Yeah, yeah. boy. Uh, so, so when we get back, we're going to continue to talk about the presidential candidates, the election, and what needs to be done here. We're talking about the Bible, politics, and government. How do we stop tyranny in the government? My guest is Dr. Gary Cass. We will be right back. Stay with us. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at expressfixcoffee.com. There's got to be more than going back and forth from doing right to doing wrong. Cause we were taught that's who we are. Come Welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and we are on AM eleven seventy, the answer in San Diego. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I'm learning a ton, I'll tell you. Uh, my guest is Dr. Gary Cass. His website is defendchristians.org. And we're talking about the Bible politics and government. And um, Gary, I wanted to kind of pick up a little bit where we're talking about how, what we can do, what those, that group of people that hears this message and goes, man, I can see uh, the cliff ahead. Um, I can see where we're going and I don't want to go there and I want to do something to stop it. And we've got pastors that are doing pulpit freedom Sunday where they're defying, uh, I guess that would be a a kind of a nullification in a way. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, So what what do you see happening in the pulpit with pastors and what has been your experience in working with pastors and trying to get mm-hmm. this message out to the congregations? Well, I've been working on this issue for a long time. In fact, back in 2005, 2006, there was a, a federal law we were trying to get passed and um, it did pass in the House and we're trying to get it passed in the Senate that would say, you know, that pastors can say whatever they want to their congregation uh, without any uh, fear of any kind of recrimination, including endorsing candidates. You want to know who scuttled that bill in the Senate? I have no idea. You have no idea. And most people will be scandalized when they find out who it was. John McCain. Wow. That's that's what you got to realize. (laughs) That's, you know, and it's a scandal. 
Um, and so we why, tried. Why would he do that? Because he knew that he's not all we remember what he said about Christian fundamentalists, that we he, that we're the enemy. He's no he's no fan of Christian conservatives. Mm. And you know what he is afraid of? He was afraid of pastors with broadcast ministries standing up and saying, this is who I endorse. This is who I, I, I endorse and vice versa. And I think he was afraid he'd come out on the losing end of that deal. And so he was willing to scuttle the whole bill, even though it passed in the House. So that's the kind of help we have under so-called uh, conservative uh, politicians. So John McCain I, is responsible for the reason that that bill didn't get passed. So, And I, I wrote a whole book on it called Gag Order. And we know the history of the Johnson Amendment passed in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. uh, amended, uh, uh, attached to an, another piece of legislation that basically limited those who have a 501c3 corporation from doing what's called electioneering. Let me define electioneering. Electioneering is the advocacy for or opposition to a particular candidate. That's all it is. So, all right, as long as I I can say anything I want in, in the pulpit about anybody, as long as I don't say the magic words, vote for them or vote against them. So there's a lot of leeway there. Oh, with there's, there, you can drive a Mack truck under that. In fact, I'm a 501c3. When uh, Barack Obama was running for president, he was running all over North Carolina saying he was a Christian. Well, that was interesting because I read all of his comments and I'd done, I've, I actually read books. And I read some of the things that Obama had said about Islam, about Christ, about sin, and about his conversion, and and not only what he said, what he didn't say. And so I I created a series of seven videos called Why Barack Obama is Not a Christian. Mm. Perfectly legal. I'm just saying Obama went out and he says he's a Christian. I'm saying by biblical, historic, orthodox standards, he's not a Christian. I didn't tell people to vote one way or the other. But I was just trying to say, you need to be informed. He's saying as a Christian, here's what he's here. Here he is in his own words on record. And uh, we we put that out. Oh, by the way, I got audited the moment that uh, they took power in January of 2008. I got a nasty gram from the IRS. Wow. Um, and thank God for the Alliance Defense Fund because they uh, they protected me. I know what the limits are. Yeah. I went up to the line. I didn't cross the line. But I just educate. You can educate all day long as a pastor. But I don't think that that law, the Johnson Amendment, is constitutional. Thank God for the the Pulpit Freedom Sunday where they're testing that and, if you will, defying the IRS uh, to say, come after us. Come get us. Here's our, our sermons. We, you cannot deprive us of our First Amendment rights. Would you say that pastors are just uh, – there's kind of this general fear over pastors, uh, even, the, even though they're – even though, like you're saying, there's so much leeway and so much room, mm-hmm. they just kind of just avoid it altogether. Right. Um, and they do that for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is ignorance. But, you know, we've been dealing with this issue for so long that if people don't know – at least generally that we can get away with a lot. Yeah. It's willful ignorance. Mm, I hear what you're saying. Uh, yeah. They, they want to be ignorant and uh, they want their boards that many time control the churches. Um, 
generally speaking, committees are not the bastions of of courage. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so it takes a strong it's more like don't do this, don't yeah, do that, don't do this. Yeah, do and then they call the attorney, and the current the answer you're always going to get from an attorney is no. Yeah, because there's never any upside for an attorney to tell you to take a risk because if it doesn't work out, then you can sue him for errors and omissions. Yeah. So he's always going to say, no, don't do it. Don't do it. So you got to have people like a Jim Garlow uh, and these many pastors across the country who will say, you know what, we're going to do the right thing and we're going to che- we're going to test this because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So a lot of guys that aren't doing it are doing it not because they don't know or not because they can't do it, but because they either have golden handcuffs on them, their board has told them, if you do it, we will fire you, or they're just they're just inherently cowards. Mm. I love what Dr. Kennedy used to say. He said there was a poll taken once of, of uh, parishioners, and they were asked, um, does your pastor speak out on the current moral issues of the day? And the overwhelming majority of them said, no, he doesn't. And then when asked, what was the reason why your pastor doesn't speak out? The overwhelming majority of parishioners said of their minister, he's a coward. Wow. Is that a real poll? And that's a real poll. Oh, my god! And Dr. Kennedy said, I would hate to stand in front of a congregation who looks upon me every week that thinks I'm a coward. Yeah, that's horrible. And but. I believe that that's true. The church, the problem is not the church. The church is aching and begging for moral leadership. Yeah. It is the cowardice of the church leaders who have either willfully stayed ignorant or are, are just needing to be enlightened. Hopefully this program will help them. Yeah. And even if they are sued, by the way, no church in the history of America has ever lost its 501c3 for doing it. Now, some of them have been sanctioned because of one thing or another, but they still have their C3. But by the way, churches were tax exempt long before the 501C3 laws ever existed. Yeah, yeah. So It's actually mentioned in the Constitution itself. uh, Yeah, so churches are tax exempt. It's it's a matter of our common law. Yeah, it's not like they can actually take it away. No. So, you know, this is a boogeyman. Uh, that's been stalking the church and has eviscerated the church and its ability to speak out on the issues. And we need to stand up and take it back and thank God for the Alliance Defense Fund, for uh, Dr. Garlow and the Patriot Pastors, the Black Road Rep- Regiment. I don't know if your audience has heard of them. Yeah. Uh, referring to the colonial clergy who wore black robes, who literally led the Revolutionary War. And so that's what we need, Patriot Pastors, because they have to stir up the people to put the pressure on the, the their representatives to do what the Constitution has told them to do, which is to defend our, our God-given rights. Yes, our unalienable rights. My guest tonight is Dr. Gary Cass, and uh, his website is defendchristians.org. And uh, this is uh, such an important subject. I hope you'll communicate to your pastor about the fact that you want them to take a stand, that you want them to speak on these issues. Uh, These are not issues that are uh, not affected by the Christian worldview or the Bible. God speaks into all areas of our lives, and that doesn't matter what it is, government, politics, relationships, finances, everything. And so uh, we can't isolate God to, you know, these issues to some other domain that, that is off limits to us. Stay with us. We have one more segment to go. My guest is Gary Cass.
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. I will Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on our last segment here. We're going to finish out the show. I wanted to hear, quick, uh, share with you another quick story here. Baronelle Stutzman is a florist. She owns Arlene's Flowers in Richland, Washington, served and employed people who identify as homosexual for her entire career. Despite this, the American Civil Liberties Union and the Washington Attorney General claim that she is guilty of unlawful discrimination when she acted consistent with her faith and declined to use her creative skills to beautify the same-sex ceremony of a longtime customer, Robert Ingersoll, and another man, Kurt Freed. This is what she said. She says, you have to make a stand somewhere in your life on what you believe and what you don't believe. She said this in a CBN interview. It was just a time I had to take a stand. And I think this is important. Um, she's facing an intense, uh, really, uh, financial persecution. The, the state is now coming after her home, not just her business, but actually her personal finances. And she's in court, and it's, it's serious. I mean, uh, her entire livelihood is, is at threat here. But she decided, I've got to take a stand. And my guest tonight is Dr. Gary Cass, and, and uh, he's all about taking a stand because he's done it over and over and over again. And, uh, Gary, I wanted to continue this conversation about what pastors can do, what people can do. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned two kingdom theology and you said that this is kind of a problem Mm -hmm. off the air. You said it because it, um, it causes people to somewhat abandon. Can you explain what two kingdom theology is for our listeners? Right. Um, this is a kind of an interesting movement that's getting a lot of traction. I think because it does let people off the hook. And it's essentially kind of a, a, what I would call a schizophrenic view of the world, that Jesus is only concerned with the spiritual kingdom. Uh, if you will, he's concerned with conversion, which certainly he is. Uh, he's, conver- he's concerned with the church and its, and its operations and its ministries and, and, and the sanctification of the individual. But that's and maybe Christian family, and then, you, you know, that's basically the extent of Christ's real concerns. He re- Jesus doesn't really care about injustice or unrighteousness in a, in a larger cultural uh, arena. Let me give you the worst example of this. Okay. Um, and by the way, to all my dear Lutheran friends, please do not be offended. But this kind of came out of Lutheranism. Uh, where there was a retreat into pietism and, and uh, with kind of an obsessive uh, obsession with 
their own personal religious uh, ethics, which is great. We need piety, but pietism, when you take something to an extreme that that becomes all there is, uh, is a problem. And so pietism had taken over Lutheranism for a while. And then uh, the Third Reich showed up. And the, the pastors are saying, wait a minute, something's wrong. Niemöller and a group of pastors confronted Adolf Hitler. Guess what Adolf Hitler did? Adolf Hitler gave him two kingdom theology. He says, I will leave the church to you. You leave Germany to me. Mm-hmm. Huh? What are you saying? In other words, the state, the Reich, the federal government, whatever, it has its own autonomous existence apart from God and apart from the church. And uh, that is an absolute misreading of Romans 13. In Romans chapter 13, it says that the civil magistrate, that is the elected official or king or whoever is in in political authority, is God's minister. Mm. Well, if he's God's minister, he has to represent God. And what is he supposed to do as God's minister? He's supposed to be a terror to those who do evil. Yeah. And he's supposed to reward those who do good. In the same way, kind of like the king in the in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and you have the priests and the king. They're both right. they're both God's ministers, right? And yeah. they both have legitimate spheres in which they operate. But both the church and the state are accountable to God, mm-hmm. and it's the church's role to to be prophet, priest, and king, if you will, in this sense. They are to speak the prophetic word of truth to the church and call them to to obedience to God, who is their king. In a sense, they're almost like a conscience for the government. Absolutely. And when the church is doing its right, we're not a theocracy. The, 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 we don't believe the clergy dominates the... They're not the, to carry out capital punishment or arrest people no, or no. doing anything like that. And, but neither is the state supposed to be baptizing and catechizing our children, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, But that doesn't mean that that the church is not supposed to speak into the church right. or play a role in And society. when the church, remember, there's only one true God, right? Mm-hmm. So when the church is operating under God and the state is operating under God, would they be in conflict? No. no they, would compl- they would be yeah. complement. When yeah. the family's under God, the state, the church, all of this works together when you have God as, as the source. And if you will, that Christian common law, that Christian worldview it all hangs together. The reason why our conflict, our culture is in so much conflict is we have this alien body called secularism that's trying to be in, imposed upon us as a body politic, mm-hmm. and it's destroying our families, it's destroying our churches, it's destroying our businesses. We, you know, it's, it's destroying even the proper function of the government. It's, it's be, schizophrenic. Yeah. yeah. There, you, you, God cares about government. God cares about commerce. It all has to be done according to his will, and his will is very clearly revealed in our own conscience, the law written on the heart, and it's revealed in the scripture. And because God is the author of both the law on our heart and the Bible, they agree. Yeah. So there's not, so that's what we had. That's why there was, there was harmony in the culture, family, church, state, commerce, uh, economics, everything hung together on the Bible. Yeah. Now we introduce these radical Marxist secularist ideas, and it's blowing the whole thing up. And so my hope is that we will come to our senses. We're reaping the whirlwind. Uh, we've bankrupted ourselves and our children and our grandchildren in this utopian aspiration of Marxist socialism. It never works. It never will work because it's contrary to God's will. And God is never going to bless it. 
So, and Jesus said, anything not built upon my word will come down. Our job is when we see something wobbling is to give it a shove and make it come down faster because it's, it's by definition, antichrist. Yeah. yeah. And so we want to advance what works and what will bring blessing to our families and to our children and to our churches and to our nation. And so uh, we cannot buy this radical two-kingdom idea. We need to bring Christ into every sphere and especially the government sphere. And we need to bring his ideas of righteousness and justice, not Karl Marx's. Yeah, we st- we have to get rid of this idea that that <clears throat> excuse me, Christ is only for Sundays or something. Right. Even among everybody who's worked, that that whatever you do, work is unto the Lord. <clears throat> and we oh, yeah. are. And we have this idea. Remember, oh, it's only business. Exactly. Okay, so we have our ethical ideas that we talk about on Sunday, but when we get out in the real world. It's it, we're we're a bunch of of cultural Marxist and evolutionists. Yep. Whatever you got to do to cut the throat of the guy next to you. No, that's not what this country was built on. It that's was right. built upon the idea of covenant keeping. If I make a promise, I keep a promise. I could shake your hand. A handshake was as good as an oath. Mm. It used to be a reproach and a shame if your family received government help because of why the biblical notion: if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. And that we need to be self-reliant and we need to, to do everything we can to be t- self-reliant so that we have surplus so that we can help people who are legitimately. So needed. really, in a lot of ways, we need to call back the church to an understanding of true biblical doctrine. Right. And, but and, we've been we've been drinking the cultural Marxism for a long time and and we don't even realize how polluted our ideas have become. And by the way, guard sometimes your, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. If you say, gosh, we shouldn't have welfare state like it is. And then, the, oh, you're hard hearted and you're mean. Yeah. No, we existed for a long time without this, this system that has totally bankrupted the family, the church and the state. Mm. We need to go back to yeah. the Bible. Defendchristians.org. Uh, Gary, thanks so much. This I, I feel like there's so much more we could talk about, but thanks for being on the show Absolutely. Uh, these two weeks. Um, we'll pick up again next week. I'm going to end with this quote. This is from the very first Supreme Court Justice John Jay. Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Um, you know what? We all have got to engage more. We've got to get more involved and uh, be who God has called us to be. Be the salt and light that God has called us to be. God bless you. Have a fantastic night, and I'll see you next week. Or not see you, but talk to you next week. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a regular feature on AM 1170, The Answer. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, exclusively on AM 1170. The answer. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be.